Hello and welcome to Plus One to Gaming. I'm Chris. And I'm Eric. I'm Billy. And I'm Mark. We are picking up session five of our Star Wars 5e version of A Deep and Creeping Darkness. Mark, do you want to uh, give us a recap and take us back into the journey? Last time, uh, the party was trekking to the lost town of Vermilion on the moon of Marin um, on a speeder, which they purchased at a steep discount um, due to magicals happenings. And they um, were cruising along and eventually found um, themselves in a deep canyon facing a wall of cliffs. Um, the road wasn't very you know, well-kept, so they were forced to abandon the speeder and find their own way up, avoiding some, you know, rusty, dangerous-looking ladders. And they found uh, a rock scramble and were able to climb up even further to a part of the cliffs where they started to see signs of a camp they had seen by scanning from the valley below earlier. They made their way over towards a turbo lift that was built in the cliff, and um, they ran into Ihar Ikthu Nux, the braggadocious leader of the Ikthu clan. Although he was a little worried about the Gamorian, um, having spent some time in a Gamorian prison, in shock to see people out in the cliffs, um, they were relatively nice and opened up the turbo lift to bring the party into camp where they were able to rest, uh, share a meal, some conversation, and played a few rounds of Gamorrean Battle Pit dice to round out the evening. So to get started, um, we have our offer of inspiration. If anybody wants to give us a little personal recap from their player's perspective. Who wants to do it? I don't know if anybody spent any, but last time. I did. I used my inspiration um, for hanging onto that cliff uh, when the wind came. So I will do it. Um, so um, Goop is relaxed. He really enjoyed his 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 chance to kind of relax and play a game. That's like his one time where he is able to unwind and he can get his mind off of, you know, constantly analyzing for threats and, and worrying about people. When he whips out his Gamorrean game dice, he is able to take a step back from himself and get out from his own head. Um, he doesn't really trust a lot of people. He obviously doesn't trust this person that they're with, especially since he was a known criminal, but Gupt is very familiar with dealing with known criminals. Um, and he's, he's used to ones that lie and try to exaggerate the truth. And obviously he knows this one is because anybody who had backstabbed a member of the Hutt clan would be dead. He, he wasn't in their assault, the Hutt clan, uh, clan assassin or their assault force. He was a, bodyguard for the Hutt clan, but he knows from, you know, his inner workings that once, once you piss them off, they send an assassin after you and you're dead and that's it. The end of story. No ifs, ands, or buts. So he, he doesn't really know what this guy did, but he's assuming he's just a small time petty criminal who's trying to make himself sound bigger, which is what most small time petty criminals do, but that he's, he's not really worried about this guy just because he's, he, if he was a threat, he would be dead. By not him, but by the huts. No, oh, Gub got a chance to relax. That's nice. I feel like he's been on edge. Um, that's cool. You can have your inspiration. I feel like you'd always be on edge wearing needle armor. <laughs> that's true. It's a trade-off. You get poked all the time, which is anxiety-provoking, invoking. I would be pretty cranky. So you guys, um, you had a decent night's sleep. Um, you, you wake up slowly, um, naturally, as the sound of wind is picking up, coming down the canyons again. There's some, you know, sand and rocks blowing underneath the tent flaps. Uh, wasn't a bad night's sleep. This isn't a terrible camp. You guys have definitely had rougher camps in your adventures. You roll over and you see kind of a tall, stark, white woman with a shock of white hair 
she's leaning against the pole to your tent casually, kind of like she's been waiting a moment. Best not to sleep past the early eclipse if you have far to travel. Come, the little one has a, made a discovery. She like beckons you out towards the uh, other tent in the Ichthu camp. Beauty follows. Yeah, uh, Arik gets up and, and follows also. So you guys can see the uh, members of the clan are, are all in their tent. When you, you come in, you see that this is kind of where they do some of their work. Um, mostly, you can tell, working on trying to figure out how to repair the blasted panel on their ship. Um, you know, there's some screens, some drawings of ideas, um, to-do lists, a couple maps of the area um, that they've made themselves that have little X's and O's to correspond to the little digging areas you saw coming in. And uh, Inopi, the little girl, is, is standing by a screen and everyone's kind of crowded around her. In the night, Inopi was awoken by some popping sounds and, and a bright light. She took one of the data pads and grabbed these short clips. You can see they're watching kind of a repeat of um, what look like little puffs of light on the horizon and then a streak into the air that hovers and then begins to blink. It appears to be some sort of droid. We don't have much, but in my experience, these seem to be scanner droids. We were curious if perhaps uh, Sir Bidu, your droid would be able to um, ascend high enough to get a, a bead on what, what this might be. Uh, I can scan a little bit, but it does have a finite range. Hmm, maybe necessary. Enopi shouldn't have, but um, she did a little scouting of her own, and um, she flicks over to the next um, item, and it's kind of a really bad and blurry picture, um, but it appears to be what everyone would recognize as a Circa brand droid. Um, these are distinctive and they sound an awful lot like a dog barking in the background. Oh, those are dog droids. Yeah, they make kind of a high-pitched but low guttural bleep. And um, Circa's all... Hold on, sorry. It's all good. He's getting ready to go on a walk, I believe. Ooh, I'm he's excited. Out. Yeah. So um, you recognize them because Circa is uh, a galactic powerhouse. Um, just common knowledge of what, what these, the markings on these droids. We have no quarrel with Circa ourselves, but we do. Iha told me um, you were sent here by a mining company, and um, that would make. Zerka, not kind to your presence. Inopi's kind of bouncing around. She's excited about what she's found. We'd be helping. Maybe you'd be going different way. Yes, um, I was against the idea, but the clan has decided that um, should you choose, we can give you a route around these Zerka droids Inopi has found. Um, otherwise, we're afraid... Uh, they they may be hostile if they figure out that um, perhaps you're all searching for similar uh, ores. I wonder if we should go and maybe have these uh, Zerka droids have an accident. You want to get into some sabotage? Bidu shrugs casually. So how far away did we see these? I didn't hear you. As far as we know, this is the only road out, but were you to follow it, you would most definitely have to pass where Anopi saw these droids. However, our, our explorations have found a, a back route. It's no shorter, but um, we believe would get you where you're going with less trouble, perhaps. So we can, we can take a, a side road and go around these droids, or... We could potentially go up and mess them up. I mean, like one of those is definitely an easier route. 
But yes, it would be difficult to walk on. It wouldn't take long, but yes, it would be easier um, in a sense, although uh, it may be exhausting to have to go through uh, the mountain ranges instead of taking the droid-laden path. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we could take the, the harder route to try to avoid them, and they could find us anyway. So, the, he doesn't like inviting conflict, so if there's a way to to avoid any conflict, that's what he's worried about, is they have a tendency to go outside of his axe range, so he doesn't really like fighting them, because he has to get creative. Yeah, it's the, you know... This this has the potential to be a real easy job, and and going and finding some some adversaries might not be the uh, smartest smartest route. I, I I think we should take the the side route, and if they find us, they do. But chances are, I mean, if we go the other way, one hundred percent, we're going to run into them. Using my model too, then it's decided. Let's go. All right, y'all. So then y'all said you would show us this this other path. What is it? What's it take for us to, to get there? Yes, um, let me dig through my books here. I have have our scouting report from when we first crash-landed here. Ah, oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, she lays out um, some really thoroughly written notes um, that she took when they first crash-landed here, which include a description of uh, a side path through the kind of rockier parts um, that avoids the river, which is where she believes the droids were located. And you can get there. It will be an exhausting travel, though. So um, you'll take one level of exhaustion after arriving. Oh, dang. This is a mechanic we don't often see. Yep. You might have um, to explain that to, to me and, and my compatriots here. Mm, she, yes, I'm going to continue flipping through my notes here. Gupt is very familiar with exhaustion um, as a as a barbarian, and especially one that uses. I'm trying to think exactly which uh, skill that lets me go even more hardcore. Super rage. Oh, is a berserker. Ultra rage. Um, I, it's no, it's path. So not normal rage, you don't go into exhaustion, but on path of berserker, I can go into a frenzy when I rage. If you do so for the duration of your rage, you make a single way. Melee weapon attack is a bonus action, um, but when the rage ends, you suffer one level of exhaustion. So being a berserker, he is very familiar with uh, with uh, <clears throat> with exhaustion and uh, and and the things that it does. It slows you down. It 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 makes you not as sharp. On um, I guess I'm trying to keep it from being super specific, but he, he's explaining it to them on just uh, it. It just it lowers your your wits and your uh, your nerves. You're you're just a little sluggish in everything you do um, until, yeah. you, until you rest. Yep, that's a fair fair description. Very well done in character. Still, um, for the mechanics of it, just so you know, since we don't use it very often, one level of exhaustion gives you disadvantage on ability checks. Well, I don't ever use those. Attacking is an ability check. Initiative is an <laughs> ability check. Yeah, everything everything is an ability basically check. Basically all. It's just... So, um, what's uh, what her name? Ifrink. She shows you um, the notes and uh, gives you the way to take that path. And you take off. Oh, wait, foot? I feel like we got some new no? information now. Um, oh, sorry. Get out of my camp immediately. Yeah. We're ready to leave for sure, but now that we all know the potential risk of um, side yes. quest B or whatever they, they're calling this other uh, route, y'all think it's worth it? Like, being exhausted sounds not great. It apparently affects a bunch of stuff I do. Uh, I don't really particularly care for physical activity. We're going to have to get physical with them droids, probably. Oh, I just shoot them, shoot at them from behind a rock with my blaster. What you thinking, Gup? You, 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 the man that knows what it feels like to be exhausted and probably been seen more combat than the both of us put together. Which, which you think is going to be the easier way? Gup, he's not against being exhausted. There are ways to, um, to get over exhaustion. It's really only if we were to encounter difficulty after we were exhausted and before we could rest up. But in, inviting difficulty because 
you don't want to be tired is it, that's he's not you know he kind of frowns when they would prefer to like to go the more difficult and more dangerous way because it's they may not get as tired like that's his his thought is like you guys don't want to get tired like no it's, do the safer way if we get tired we rest See, the thing I'm worried about is exactly what you said, because ain't nothing worked for us the way we thought it would on this trip yet. We we might have to deal with these droids one way or another, and I'd rather deal with them fresh than than exhausted. But I mean, if if we're thinking like probability, if we go the one way, 100 percent, we're going to encounter them. If we go the other way, we're more likely going to get exhausted. But we I don't know the probability of of running into them, but it's probably lower than 100. So, Gup, you still on team exhaustion path? He, For him, exhaustion isn't a normal part of his daily life. He suffers it from time to time. So, yes, he he doesn't think it's that big of a deal. All right. I mean, I'm willing to go get get a workout, I guess. I no, no. I suppose. Let's go. And we're off. Bye. Thank y'all. We'll see you hopefully on the way back. Yes, thank you for the credits. <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before we leave, I got a quick thing. Um, so we left a spear down at the bottom of this uh, trench or canyon, whatever it is. If y'all can, y'all seem on the up and up. You, I, I mean, I feel comfortable saying you could use it to go to, to the, the town that's just over yonder and get parts y'all need to get up and out of here. And just bring it back because we're going to need it probably on our way back. And we also, we get charged if we don't return it. Ita is, um, he like sits straight up and he flicks his little monocle binocular microscope device down over his eye to get a better look at you. Oh, oh, oh well, quite indeed. Yes, we would love to do, uh, to have use of, of your speeder. That would be fantastic. I think, in fact, um, I've been examining it a bit this morning. It might, uh, it might be be strong enough to help us haul uh, the tenebrescence yeah, out I mean, of this canyon. It held all of us, and I, I mean, just doing some quick weight. Looks like we weigh more than y'all. Um, like I said, bring it back, or I know where you sleep, and I'm I ain't gonna be happy. They all kind of chuckle, and he's, oh yes, we uh we shall keep it with us and uh, ma- maintain it dutifully. Uh, I look. At them, uh, j- just real quick. Uh, you boys cool with that? That cool with y'all? Gup doesn't care. The worst that happens is they have to walk back. He's not against walking. Cool. So she tosses the keys over to um, whoever she was talking to. I forget their name. Oh, thank you. He he grabs up some of his little notes and a little toolkit and sets out to go examine the, sh- the uh, gift. All right. Good luck, y'all. See you later. You know, <laughs> maybe, maybe low, but we probably wouldn't have made it this far without them anyway. So I figure, you know, no good deed goes unrewarded or something. And shit, if we, if we, uh, if they bang it up, we'll just hightail out of here some other way. I ain't paying those, those people. We're a spaceship. Yeah, for real. So there's another uh, turbo lift up the last level of cliff they they all walk with you over there say their goodbyes you can still hear those zerka droids off in the distance (laughs) they fade off as if walking down the street hopefully so as you guys um get on the turbo lift you know they're coming to see you off and um you ride up and arik you notice that um inopi is walking with them the little girl and um she seems to be kind of faking a bit of a limp, and she kind of awkwardly salutes you as you guys ride up the turbo lift. I give her like a wink and a little cool salute. So you're taking the path less traveled. Got some Robert Frost shit going on here. It is an arduous journey. Definitely, you know, lots of ups and downs, switchbacks, rock scrambles, things like that. Um, Bidu complains the whole way. <laughs> Bidu's constantly complaining the whole way. And... Um, you're able to make it through. It is exhausting. You all suffer one level of exhaustion. Um, and from at one point, maybe about two halfway through the through the journey, um, you see that 
down below, you can see the road off in the distance show back up, um, little bricks here and there. You can see the river they mentioned. As we come around, can we still see those uh, seeker droids? Yeah, you can see um, a few droids, uh, round droids hovering in the air, and you can see there are bipedal droids on the ground. Um, there are, you see five of them kind of clam clambering over rocks, pounding against um, the stone, sifting through the water's edge. Um, they appear to be doing what mining droids do, searching and scanning the area for anything useful. So there's five bipedal mining droids, and how many floaty seeker droids? Five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven or so. Okay. And where are we in relation to this map? You're um, way up on a different um, kind of mountain red ridge in the distance. You can see them glimmering, um, but you're far. You're so far away, it's that you can't really hear, and they can't see you. You oh, just okay. notice as you're as you're walking by, you can see that the other road would have taken you through here. Well, dang, I'm glad we came this way. That way looks treacherous. A lot of marks and little squiggles and frogs and stuff. See, I don't know. We need more. I don't know. That path was pretty treacherous. I feel awful. Yeah, we didn't have none squiggles at us, though. Oh my! Should we rest? <laughs> are we are we done with that path? Is it all okay now? I gotta. I feel like it's kind of weird to give us like a. You have a price to pay, but then you can immediately negate that price. I'm I, I'm trying to talk about meta gaming. I mean, I'm just saying. Well, if Bidu's tired, he would want to rest. My feet hurt. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. If you get tired and you you can't really walk that far, you just sit down and you rest. That's that's why it wasn't being exhausted isn't that big a deal. And that like being exhausted in the middle of a battle sucks. But yeah, that's why he wasn't that worried. Like he's kind of smirking when you see all that danger because he's like I'm and he he like snorts a little bit and laughs like oh yeah, being tired is is terrible compared to that. In Bidu's mind, it is. So you guys are kind of arguing a little bit back and forth about um you know that whether you should rest or not and um you come down a road the river curves back around you find it again and um the late eclipse has begun so the light um is changing everything's got that weird purpley hue that's so well known in these parts and um you come up to a little you know bridge leading into a ruined town um, this must be vermilion ah this must, this must be vermilion my feet are killing me let's take a quick break before yeah. we go in and look around we do that so your intention is to get rid of exhaustion my intention yes i want to rest so my feet aren't exhausted so you guys will want to do a long rest then i was told it was short it is a long rest Feel like I was sold a bill of goods. Did I say it was a short rest before? I believe that my compatriot did. No, I just said you take a rest. It's said well, he said it in a casual way that made it seem <laughs> like it wasn't a big deal and not gonna be me sleeping eight hours in the middle of the street. You said when you're tired, you take a rest. When I'm tired, I sit down on a rock and pull my boot off and rub my foot and put it back on and get on with it. I mean, how long have we finishing a long rest reduces the creature's exhaustion level by one? Long rests are what, eight hours? So at least eight hours. You think about that. I'm gonna I'm gonna read you the in, uh of Vermilion while you ponder. So you come across um, you can see you can see the ruined town in the distance. It is eerily quiet. Uh, plants and wildlife have overtaken a lot of crumbling houses. There's leafless vines climbing, rotting walls, other Little small creatures, lizards and birds and things are nesting in, in exposed rafters that you can see from the edge of town. There's a large gnarled tree in the middle of town. The sky is overcast, which adds an air to a, of oppression to the scene and seems to envelop the village as that eclipse falls. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. You know, we we travel for a long time, six six p.m. ish, um, getting up on dinner time, and then and then hunkering down. I don't want to I don't want to head up to the mine if it's going to get dark. 
Um, so I think that's a good idea. Let's let's poke around and find a, a good place to make camp. I walk in uh, across the bridge. Edu wraps his uh, scarf around him and walks in as well. So in the you can see off to your left, there's um, some grave gravestones, um, a little mausoleum in the middle. Appears to be a graveyard. And then on across the street, um, looks like you see uh, a stonemason's workshop. There's a doors wide wide open. You know everything's abandoned. Um, the back door. There's just remains kind of laying on the ground where it's rotted away and been broken up. So like passing through the shop, poking our head in. Do we see anything interesting? Like, are there still tools and people like, did they pack up and leave or did stuff just kind of fall into a state of decay? It's definitely fallen into a state of decay. Um, There was work being done here before that. Um, It doesn't look like anyone packed up um, over any length of time. Um, There's still a lot of things here. Some things are jumbled. Um, There's still some tools that are put away neatly. There's others that are taken and gone. There's some blank headstones sat around. The doorway says that Tiris Frosthair, stonemason, was the proprietor of the shop. And at the back of the house, um, there's even more blank stones, slabs of granites, marbles. Um, and there is one which has carved in it, Adolin Crean, may you all, and then it just stops as if someone was mid carving and never finished it is that a name we recognize do i recognize that name no but it must have just been someone who lived here in town yeah bidu nudges auric uh flowers well i think the i mean are they in this graveyard i don't think they're in this graveyard i thought they were in a, the collapse mine i thought it was like a big scary mass grave oh actually i don't know i'm uh, that's my recollection Cemetery. And the way that he described it, I doubt it. Because like, if you leave your loved one and run away and never come back, you typically don't have a uh, marker for him. Yeah, I mean, humans have strange cultures or strange uh, ceremonies, so I don't know. The graveyard has a crooked wrought iron archway in the front. Um, it's also overgrown just like the rest of the village there's headstones at odd angles some are completely toppled um the older ones you know have sunk into the ground and things and there's small cairns rather than inscribed headphones that mark um, what appear to be more closely together graves towards the back i mean i guess so before i go into the spooky graveyard am i correct in my memory that her body would be in like a pile at the bottom of the uh mine or would do i think that potentially she would there would be a uh, a marker in here for her make a perception check Fuck, i don't I accidentally hit the back button and now i lost all my stuff my Roomba's going off upstairs it's making a huge amount of racket i was like what the hell is that oh use it as rx fully yeah perception you said or um you could do investigation if you wanted to are you looking for Lorna Grossovener's grave? So I feel like you you know what you're looking for. You could choose that. That's a pretty good spread, actually. That's, I mean, yeah, it's, not, it's a great spread, but neither are great rolls. 11 and a 10. Yeah. So um, you notice as you walk through the graveyard that um, there are a lot of the, the early ones that are kind of toppled or, or older. Um, they're more modern as you go back and towards the back. A lot of them share the same date of death, which um, seems to correspond with what Lucas told you about uh, the timing. So they're about 70 years old or so. And behind that are the cairns that you saw. Those um, you can see are closer together, a little more haphazard and looks like the stonemason meant to give them proper headstones eventually on the row right before the cairn start you find a headstone that says lorna grosvenor 
the oh, love of Lucas forever, my heart. Well, I'll be damned. Um, I put the flowers, pull them out of my whatever flower carrying device and put them on her grave. Take a quick like space picture of it for proof and then leave. Like a UPS delivery driver, you take pictures of it to show Lucas later. Um, I'm a professional. <laughs> Consummate professional. professional. As you lay the dried flowers um, against the headstone, there's kind of a rustling in the wind. Um, it feels warm for a moment. There's a just a warm breeze, and you hear kind of a, a contented sigh on the wind as well. And Auric, you don't feel exhausted anymore. Uh, that little experience, you know, getting some catharsis, that, that feels good. I think I can roll and do things properly now. Y'all should maybe pay respects to some people. All right, let's let's get to looking at this these other places, find a place to hole up. While we're looking through, can I just uh, take a moment to listen around and see if we hear any signs of activity? Yeah, so you guys are all, um, I guess, waiting maybe as Arik went into the graveyard and she comes back out and BD, you've been listening. Um, roll a perception check with advantage since you're, um, well, you probably don't need it, but your ears are really good as a Rodian. Yeah, he gets... Um, oh, also exhausted. Well, so it cancels out for just a normal roll. Because he has advantage on listening rolls, listening checks. Oh, mm -hmm. tight. But he's exhausted, so it just comes out in the wash. So 21 to listening for things. So you hear that warm gust of wind come through town. Um, you can hear birds chirping, some animals scuttling, um, things nesting. Everything seems to be abandoned. Um, and you can hear rocks clicking in the distance um you know perhaps the wind's blowing some rocks off of the uh mountain okay and you also hear you know the creaking signs of some shops and doors and windows in town that are swinging on their hinges so where we're standing here is the stonemasons what's over here then behind a giant mangled tree in the center of town is um Another building. It is a grand two-story brick house. It's fallen prey to time and the elements, just like the rest of the village. But it remains in better shape than the smaller houses overall. Uh, it has heavy wooden double doors. They're flanked by darkened windows. It has chimneys anchoring the buildings at each corner. The masonry is crumbling here and there. In front of the house is the wide, leafless, gnarled tree. Its branches are reaching out towards clouds, like twisted fingers. It has a rough bark. It's pockmarked with large knots and beetle holes, and there's nests of animals in it, in the branches and things. Beetle points at the structure and nods to Orc and Gupt. Yeah, that looks like it might be one of the more... Still structurally sound places here. Yeah, let's go in. You guys are walking in, and um, as you're going in, you, you swing open the big double doors. They're not locked or anything. Um, no one's been here for a while. And as you're walking in, Vidu, uh, you swear that something moved over your shoulder as you slide inside the door. Like physically, or I guess, can you describe? Uh, you saw something move, so oh, okay. you you don't know what it is, but um, something out of the corner of your eye outside of the house that you're entering. Uh, as we go in and close the door behind us, I'll just mention uh, mention that to the to the group. I don't think we we may not be alone. In the entryway of this house, you see that dust covers everything in a wide hallway. There's a staircase leading up. You can see some rooms around you. There's some moth-eaten cloaks hanging on hooks along the left-hand wall. To the left and right, there's hallways branching off into darkness. Ahead, there's a stairway. It leads to a second floor. 
and the door stands beneath the stairs, seemingly leading to a backyard. As we come in, Bidu kind of pilfers through the pockets looking for like keys. Okay. Um, make an, a check of some sort. I mean, oh, he's just... an invest, investigation check or? Sure. I think if it's, if it's any check, it's investigation. Yeah. Uh, 20 would be the lowest. Yeah, they um, just crumble in your hands. There's nothing in them. Um, Glad I used they've that. They've been here for a long time. So we want to move farther into this building? Yeah, let's poke around some more. Move into the next room. I'm just going to go ahead and get rid of this Fog of War stuff. So we're headed where? Where do you guys want to go? Okay, yeah, so you're in the hallway now um, inside of this house. Yeah, y'all want to go into the right room? Keep your hand on the right of the wall? Well, yep, just well you all moved yourself. The door's over here. Gupt is not like actively involved in... He's just following them and protecting them, so he he's making no decisions on which direction to go and where to go. He's literally just following them and watching out for danger. All right, let's clear room by room. We're going to the right. There's chairs in this room in staggered rows with their backs to the door uh, facing a podium in the southeastern corner. A sideboard sits along the left side of the room. A bookcase stands to the right of the doorway filled with tomes and little knickknacks. There's a brick fireplace that occupies the southwest corner of this room. Uh, Bidu, you can you notice that um, the bookshelf has some interesting items on it. Um, the one thing that jumps out at you is there's a painting of a mountain range that might be local, um, but you notice that it catches your eye for some reason. You think it's probably worth like two gold. Uh, I mean, credits. Be just tempted, but it's not really practical at this point to be pilfering through stuff, but he'll make a mental note of it. I think in this area, it looks like maybe like a little bit of a study or something. He might look for some information on, like the mine itself and maybe like any clues to what happened so that that could might help their, their entry of it. Yeah. Sorry. Hold on a second. Give me that again. My bad. I, th I guess um, he's looking around in this room for maybe any information, documentation journals or anything about the mine itself, about maybe what happened or just trying to put together some information that might help our entrance into mm. the mine. Yeah, so you see the um, the desk podium area has some papers still in it. Um, they appear to be little updates, notifications, um, speeches, and they are signed by Matron Duvizen. And um, holding some of them down is a chunk of raw ore. Is this that special ore that people are talking about that's all the rage yeah it has uh silvery swirly colors with even brighter silvery swirly colors mixed in uh, which matches the descriptions you remember of the ore that that comes from vermilion i think bidu takes that so you can show it to v as like kind of proof okay that's uh a chunk of ore worth 25 credits in case you need to sell it later damn but nothing else of interest in this room? No, it seems to be um, an assembly room, mostly. Other books and tomes are just kind of things you would expect. Fontanora. Let's go into this room. We all got to keep going to the right uh, to go counter space clockwise. As you guys walk out of that room, um, Gupt seems to think that he saw something out of one of the windows as he was walking by. One of the exterior windows? Yeah, yeah. You put, out of the corner of your eye, you were kind of like, oh, what? But you, you, something might have been out outside of the house. He's immediately going to investigate. He's going to like turn to him, tell him like to drop down and like kind of huddle where they are in that room. Um, and he's going to, I mean, he's not really stealthy, but he's just going to literally walk out and, and investigate. You're going to go outside to investigate or walk out of the hallway you're in? Like, so he's to the door that he saw something. He's going to like look out that, that 
or the window, he's going to look at that window. And if he doesn't see anything, he's going to go and like look outside. However he is like, he's not just sitting in sitting inside. If they're looking to ambush him or surround him, he's not just going to sit inside. He is. All right. Absolutely. will go outside if he can't see anything from inside. So make a perception check. So you, um, motion to everybody to hit the deck and hustle over to the window looking left right up down you saw where you thought you the momentum was headed left to right so you're looking off to the right in particular um there's wind blowing in the trees and that's about it all right he is going to like when he's he did he think he just saw a figure or could have just been like he just saw like a shape or something go by, so it could have been something blown by the wind. Oh, must have been the wind. Or is he confident that it was like it, it was some sort of like figure, like a person? So you tell me, what do you what do you want to look for? What do you think it is? Yeah, so I mean, he's he didn't get this far by being um, aloof. Um, so he is, you know, he, he is always on guard. Uh, if he sees something out of the corner of his eye, even if he thinks that it's probably nothing, he's going to investigate and make sure that there's nothing out. So he's going to still have those guys, his 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 wards, his you know his people that he's protecting, have them hunker down. Um, and he is actually okay. going to leave the house and look over in the direction. I guess it was to the right. So he's going to like not sneakily, but not being loud. He's going to go out and look and see if there's anything out there. Like if, if people are preparing to attack them. Billy, are you working in like, it sounds like there's a fucking fantasy flute <laughs> section. I was going to say, is there like a third grade recorder recycle <laughs> going on in the background? What the shit? No, I, I can turn it off. That's my 3d printer. Oh, oh. So it sounds like an old dot matrix printer, but it's, that's what yeah, I was like. It's either that or you're in fucking like Amazon server room. I hear it now, though, the printer. But yeah, <laughs> for a second, I could have sworn there was just like Yanni in the background. <laughs> it does make like very specific, like how fast it's going and where it's going. It's like it's very tonal, so it'll like it'll make like kind of like music. Like I'll be playing on the computer or working and they'll be like doing very like rhythmic and like continue, especially when it's like, it goes up a layer and does like the outside. It's like, ee, 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 ee. and it does that for like 20 minutes while it's like <laughs> building each layer. And it's like, okay, that's kind of annoying. Uh, I just started something so I can definitely pause it. Have you heard the, have you heard the, the seen those videos of that guy who co- hooks up a bunch of old tech and makes music off of it? Yeah. It's yeah. Incredible. Reminds me of that. All right, well, glad we solved that conundrum. <laughs> I'm glad it was something and not just your microphone. Like, that's just the sound it makes as it's recording. Yeah. That would be horrible. So, Gup, you um, tell them to hunker down and wait. Don't see anything out the window. So you head outside, um, looking off in the direction of which you thought you saw something. And um, there's nothing, nothing there. You're looking kind of south, I would say. Um, again, some little animals running around and things like that. And as you're looking that direction, um, over your shoulder, off in the distance, you hear, um, a grunt, a weird little piggly grunt. Um, our other players back in the house, when Gup leaves, what are, what are you guys doing? I mean, he alerted us, so it's not, I don't think I'm going to like just act um like nothing happened so he went out the front door um are the, i'm assuming there are like windows on every wall yeah so arc's going to go into the room that we didn't go into that would be in like the top right quadrant um and i'll look out a window to see if she like as stealthily as she can like peek out a window to see if she sees anything so roll a um, in perception check. Damn, her perception, she's good at it. She's not doing well. I got a nine. You see Gupt um, standing there. He's got his head kind of on a swivel back and forth, looking in the distance, examining the horizon. Um, you don't see 
anything besides Gup examining the perimeter. Is there another window on the west side of this interior building? Um, yep. Yeah, there's a window um, in these rooms. Well, either of these rooms here would each have a window in the wall. Cool. B just going to activate his uh, stealth scarf before peeking out the window and doing what Ork did, taking a gander and looking for anything sus of suspicion. Remind me what your stealth scarf does. You have advantage on stealth rolls or something, I imagine. Oh, let me pull up the, uh, the item. It's a cloak of elven kind. While you wear this cloak with its hood up, wisdom perception checks made to what's the rest of it made to see you have disadvantage and you have advantage on all dexterity checks. Sorry, and you have advantage on dexterity stealth checks made to hide as the cloak's color shifts to camouflage you. Okay, so yeah, you you pull your hood up, um, and as you do it clicks on its mechanism and kind of pixelates a little bit um and and starts to shift into the colors of um the bookcases and old kind of peeling wallpaper uh, to camouflage you a bit as you peek out the window so make your uh, perception check you see um a dilapidated town out the window and these old windows are dusty. I can't see anything out of them. Shinhamura. Me either. Gup, um, you haven't found anything yet, but you did hear a sound in the distance behind you. What are you doing? So he's going to uh, turn around, kind of, he's not going to leave his, uh, like the footprint of the, of the house, um, but he is going to go and, and move I would say his his one of his movement ranges out of the house to to see if he can get close enough to see what that that thing was, but he just wants to make sure that he's close enough that he could get back if something happens in the house. So there's so been, say 30. Okay. Um, do you want to move towards the thing you thought you saw or the thing you thought you heard? The thing he thought he heard because the 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 sound is confirmation. He's you know this. Uh, it could have been the same thing, and now it's moved. But uh, he's definitely going to go look for the thing that he heard. So you come to the edge of town. Um, here you start to see uh, hover vehicles, um, mostly haulers. Um, some of them still have, you know, rocks and things crumbled in them. Most of them are dilapidated, just kind of crashed or abandoned. Um, this seems to be kind of where things, um, the mining part of town begins. So there's a lot of little buildings, outbuildings, sheds, things like that. Um, you start investigating the sound. You hear it again. It's a small little piggly grunt it sounds um almost familiar to you you um you think it sounds like a young gamorian you do an arc where you guys up to you just still like chilling looking out windows for more stuff well i feel like if B if uh, gup's gone out for a little while uh, at some point gup or uh, bidu would slip out to kind of follow to see what he's up to yeah i don't think i would wait that long in here either yeah i say gup's been gone you know probably a minute or so i mean it hasn't taken him long just to peek out the window then walk outside um and then walk about 30 feet off um and bidu you're looking out the uh window whichever direction it is and uh, you can see gups kind of poking through some of these areas poking his head around little alleyways so he hasn't been gone long, but yeah, you can follow him whenever you'd like to do. Yeah, I think we would go out and stick close. So you are headed out of the house. Uh, Bidu, you're very supernatural, great hearing. Um, here's like a... Um, almost like a few little jogs across the second floor above you there might be somebody upstairs 
whisper that to Oric. Well, I ain't gonna get nowhere. Let's go get and we can come back and figure out what's going on here, but I don't want to deal with anybody without all of us together. Boy. So, Gupt, um, you heard another little piggly sound, and it seems like it's coming from behind you again, um, more towards, like, away from where the uh, graveyard was, up, up a little path. You've walked over... Um, investigating things and now it's like behind you again all of a sudden he's going to go back and reconvene with the party um there's really nothing for him to see here he keeps hearing that sound he's a little confused um his i mean his intuition is not to go help gamorian children they are they have to learn to survive on their own so it's not something that he's like drawn to go and see if it actually is a small child to help um that child got himself into danger. He'll have to get himself out or die. That is how the Gamorian survive. So um, he's going to go back and he's going to uh, regroup in the house with the with the rest of the party. Okay, so after maybe another minute or so, you're, you guys are a little worried about what Gupt might be up to. Um, and then, B, do you see him... <sighs> kind of shrug it, shake his head, shrug it off, and he tromps back into the house with you. Uh, Bidu puts his finger up to his proboscis and says, uh, We think there's might be somebody upstairs. He points upstairs. Gup nods, and he is going to... Um, start going up the stairs. I mean, he's not. he can't really be silent. He'll try to sneak... Um, it's really not going to work because he's got disadvantage and I don't think you can get double disadvantage, but his, like with his armor, he has disadvantage on sneak rolls anyway. Uh, plus he's exhausted, but I think rules is written. There's no such thing as double disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. He rolled a five. So he's going to try to, um, like quietly go up the stairs, but I would assume, you know, this big heavy is wearing giant armor uh, and they're old steps so they're they're squeaking pretty loud while he's trying to walk up carefully but okay he's he's you know gesturing the party to follow him he doesn't like him standing that close to the door also he just you know wants him to be kind of interior and uh, just because he doesn't know what's going on yeah follow him up you come to an open landing waiting at the top of the stairs there's four closed doors before you and a large entryway that gapes open from across the hall to your south. All right. So now that we we've heard something up here, um, Gup's kind of taking the lead in. You know, he's not investigating the 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 rooms anymore like they were doing before, where they're trying to find clues. He's actually just trying to find people. So he's going to go to that closest door and he's going to like, you know, breach and clear, try to like quietly like look in the the room if he if he can. Is that door open? And is there anything in there? So the door uh, swings open freely. There's dim light in this room um, coming in from from the windows. Um, And there's nothing much in here. There's a bed. uh, It's partially covered in debris from like one of the collapsing chimneys that in the corner, this corner of the building. And he makes like a a clear signal to the rest of the party. And he's going to step down and check out the the next room. There's a large double bed you see when you open the door to this room. It sits beneath some windows along a far wall. There's a fireplace that occupies one corner. It's pretty nice compared to the ones that were downstairs. And um, there's also a window that's looking out on the front lawn as well. All right, he's going to continue around. And so through the gap, uh, that you described earlier, he's going to kind of first peek around without exposing his whole body, and then if he doesn't see anything, he's going to just you know, step into the room so he can get a better view of that entire room. So you walk into this room, um, has kind of a big archway that, that leads straight in, and it's filled with shelves, which are filled with books that line the walls of the library. There's four wingback chairs around a low table that's in the center of the room, there's a wide bank of windows on the south wall that gives you kind of a nice panoramic view 
of all of the dilapidation of the houses in town outside in a very good view of that twisted branching tree that's uh, planted in the center of town. All right, he's going to continue clearing the rooms one by one. So then he's going to walk over to the, the uh, southeastern room and he's going to do the same thing, push open the door and look inside. This room is cold and empty. Um, the window's broken open and air's blowing through, making kind of a whistling noise. Um, there's nothing in here except for a bed and, again, another fireplace in the corner. This fireplace is really basic, just brickwork. And then the last room up here, he's going to do the same thing. Um, when you walk out of the guest bedroom, um, the wind picks up real quick, and um, you think you hear your name on the wind. When you come into the other room, you see that it's another bedroom. There's a tall chest of drawers. They're made of dark wood across from the door. Uh, farther in, there's a small desk, some more windows, and there's a large bed in here as well. The sheets and blankets are all rumpled, and there's moth-eaten pillowcases and things strewn about the room. All right, well, group's going to regroup back with the party. He's going to like nod to them and tell them that it's, it's clear. Uh, he still doesn't exactly know what's going on, but uh, he's comfortable with them continuing on with their investigation and their search. Well, I'm feeling pretty tired. This seems like a pl uh, safe spot to hole up. Do you think we should call it a night? A night? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. We can we can set the droids up on like a uh, watch first and and get some get some rest. Cool. So you guys want to kind of make a little camp inside of this nice house? Yes. Yeah. All right. Tell me. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I mean, each of these rooms has a bed, correct? Yep. There's uh, four bedrooms up here. Plenty of furniture and stuff. If you needed to make any ramshackle push together for like bed for. Rx. <laughs> nah, he just plugs into stuff, and I—I I mean, I doubt there's power in this place, so he's not gonna be able to power up. We can—he's got like a solar charger too. He'll be good. <laughs> well, actually, uh, the Ixu clan let you plug into one of their power inverters, I believe. Yeah. So he should be pretty well fed. So yeah, I yeah, I'll just want to take a take a room and set the droids up by the stairs and. Or by the front door, or really not that many other ways for somebody to get in here. So I don't feel like we're going to get snuck up on. Yep, that sounds good to me. Okay, so um, you'll put, I guess, RX. You'll post him up by the front door as like a, a night watch. Yep. It's pretty clever because then nobody has to uh, miss sleep that way. Definitely don't want to be exhausted anymore. So, yeah, you guys can go, um, you know, you pick your rooms or whatever and set off to make your own little camps as you did before with the, the Ichthus clan, um, all picking your rooms upstairs. Um, everybody has their own door, so that's pretty nice. And as you guys crawl into bed and start to drift off into galactic slumber, you feel your body kind of drift into sleep. And as you do, there's some kind of strange, sickening feeling in your stomach. And when you brush it off, it's been a long day. You're exhausted. Need to get some food in the morning, you think. And then in the middle of the night, you are beset by terrible awful nightmares and that's where we will pick up next time that's it for our fifth session of a deep and creeping darkness what nightmares beset our hapless spacers is this the deep and creeping darkness they've been hearing about tune in next week to find out hop into your Duskoga issued starship and punch in plus one to gaming.com into your nav system 
for more live play episodes, character creation tips, and DM resources. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.